Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Name. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Second after I, I like this, threw, I need 15 minutes. Urban threw up all over the inside of my truck, so. Oh man, I wish I had a drink like you do right now. But um, I had a beer earlier. Where are you at? But um, I'm, I am in Osage Beach, Missouri, the land of the lakes. Uh, lake? No, sorry, not land of the lakes. Lakes, Lake of the Ozarks. I think this is where they filmed Ozarks. Well, it's, or where, Ozark. it's where it's based. I don't know where they actually filmed it, but. It's a it's a happening place here, man. There's freaking construction happening everywhere. I was talking to Jason Sumners, who I'm here as his guest. Um, he's the deputy director of wildlife for the state of Missouri. Um, 
he said COVID just got people, this was like a weekend community, summer type community, and now it's like a permanent community. People are like, we're just going to live out there. Let's build some schools and let's do it. So, yeah, we used to go to Table Rock Lake, which is just just across the highway from Lake of the Ozarks, really. Um, my dad used to. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It was a freaking circuitous way to get here, man. Five and a half hours for like 300 miles. So it was not a straight shot. It was, just, it was one lane highway the entire time, essentially. That's mountain life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. And then I'm going to give, uh, I'm here to give the keynote. There's two plenary presentations tomorrow. Uh, a veterinarian out of Canada. Uh, talking about One Health and then myself. Talking about the heart of wildlife conservation. So we'll see. What, 700 what's it, people. What's it for? Oh, yeah. It's a natural resources conference for the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. So um, it's their sort of natural resource conference that all the sort of organizations tie into that are here in, in the state of Missouri. And the guy offered, asked me if I wanted to come and give the plenary. I said, sure, I'll give the plenary. So I'll give the plenary tomorrow. And then about noonish, I will, I will drive out of here and spend the night in Nashville. And then I'll probably either spend the night in Athens, Georgia, on Thursday or Lexington, South Carolina, and then I'm at essentially Winter Strong until Sunday. Excellent. And then it's the travel, the heavy travel is done for show season, man. Then it's just a, a run up to Nashville for NWTF and then run up to Nashville for SCI for the week. So, what's the dates on SCI? Uh, officially the 22nd to the 26th. Or 25th. The 25th may be the Saturday. Western Hunt Expo was amazing. Yeah. I'll tell you what. That show is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, I think that mountain hunting and... I think, you know, it's not really... Like, it's not any more of a mountain hunting show than any other show is, honestly. But the location and the way they bill it, a lot of people are talking about it that didn't know it existed three years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the most promising thing that I saw out of Western Hunt Expo was the demographic. The age demographic, the median age demographic of that audience is probably 35 to 45. Yeah. Yeah. It's- and you had gaggles of kids running around, like 14, 15-year-old kids, like six, seven, eight strong running around with their flat broom hats and stuff like that. They were genius <laughs> to have it in Salt Lake. Salt Lake's still exploding. Yeah, it's, it's, look, man, it was lines of people to get in. And I left Saturday at noon. I left the convention. The convention opens at 10. There were still good 80-yard lines for people buying tickets to get in. So You want to uh, get into a little controversy with Blood Origins that you don't know about yet? Just surprise you oh right my here God. while recording? Yeah, is it a good controversy or bad controversy? Um, I don't think it's a big. I, I don't. I don't know. Matt Matt Ranella. Let's hear it. Matt Ranella is officially very upset with us. Really? Yep. 
We should talk to him. Is it because of our land trust ads? There you go. 100% going to, uh, it's, uh, I'm not going to get into, Matt and I, I'm not going to say that we're friends, but we communicate, you know, on a maybe weekly basis about something random, usually something very random that pops into his head. Um, and some of it I can, Did he, I can, so he must've heard the land trust advert then <laughs> that we're struggling to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he definitely knows, somehow knows that that uh, Land Trust is is uh, putting some money towards Blood Origins. But yeah, we went back and forth on an email chain today. Um, won't be the day that this airs, but the day that we're recording this. Um, yeah, and in true Matt style, came out of the guns pretty hard. Was going to apologize to the world for giving blood origins any attention or asking anyone to pay attention to us damn um, and where's he at right now um still you know i don't think you really change matt's mind on things um i i do think we kind of you know he 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 um i don't want to put words in his mouth but i think he i think he realized he came out of the guns a little hard he's blazing both barrels in his email to me um, still very, very much not a fan of land trust. Um, yeah, yeah. Or, but we knew that. Or us for promoting them, his words. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I, I do think maybe, you know, maybe his initial reaction was a little high octane and he realized that. But uh, we, we've... It, you know, what's interesting is I think, you know, in talking to land trust... And I think Matt's issue, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but Matt's issue here is previously accessible public ground through walk-in manner. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Management to walk-in areas or block management being picked up by land trust and not being accessible to public any longer. Well, okay, yes. Everything you said is true, except not being accessible to the public for free any longer. Um, and it's, it's not, uh, it's still, things in land trust are accessible to the public. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the same way that a movie theater is accessible to the public, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, I see Matt's point on that. You know, I think that, that uh, taking land out of block management and putting it on a pay-to-play, um, Maybe isn't my my favorite thing that land trust does, right? Um, so like, I I I don't know the data, right? I, and maybe we just need to ask land trust how many how many people were in block management and walk in are now under land trust stewardship, quote unquote, not even stewardship under the land trust versus being publicly accessible. I think that's going to be very few and far between. Number one, and I remember uh, the person who interacted with the land trust telling me that three individuals, I think, 
left block management, started Lantos, and now are back in block management. Right. Yeah. I don't. You know. I. I think it's. I think you're nitpicking. I also think that, in true Matt fashion, he's very passionate, and that probably the potentially least favorite thing of mine about what land trust is doing is all happening in Matt's backyard. Right. Like Mm. um, there's, I know for a fact in Colorado, um, I've, 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 I've land trusted on land that was, that wasn't right. That, that, that that there was no hunting whatsoever because outfitters had it. Correct. And now you have access. And now I can get on the internet and, you know, and in, in Airbnb style and, book a day of pheasant hunting or a day of a day of coyote hunting on these places that weren't accessible like there's there's definitely uh in places and I, I don't have any data either i can't give you i can't give you acreages of this and acreages of that but they're definitely in places opening access that wasn't open to people um matt is 100 percent hardcore against in what what in his mind is paying to play um, right which you know the landowners were getting paid for block management too i mean not yeah. not, not much and and uh you know the the hunter but the hunter in essence didn't have to fork over cash but some of your hunting license fees was going to those situations as well i'm not defending Mm-hmm. one way or mm-hmm. the other i'm really not i mm-hmm. am a diehard advocate of landowner rights like as much as i love public land i'm probably more passionate about a person's ability to do as they please in their castle with even yeah. if their castle is five thousand acres um yeah so yeah it's uh we, we had a good discussion you know came to a less heated standing um <laughs> And I still completely love Matt's yeah. passion. He just his passion causes him to sometimes, in my opinion, come out of the gate a little hard. And man, the first email mm-hmm. was uh <laughs> the first email was what made me decide I was gonna try and ease it down before I talked to you about it. That was the first email. Oh man, it, amazing. It was hot. He was he was he was uh he was burning Blood Origins at the stake, huh? Yeah, 100%. Getting ready to make a video, bat, you know, he, he never said bad-mouthing us. He said, apologize. And then he, in, in that first email, he said, if you'll take money from them, that means you'll take money from anyone. And I said, you know, that's not true at all, man. I mean, we've turned down opportunities with people um, for big sums of money that that didn't fit and go um in a partnership that we wanted to be in but anyway i'll i'll plug i i i genuinely think that if you like what we do here on the roundup what what where where we have kind of in-depth conversations that aren't about tree stand techniques or how the moon affects the rut they're about more of the behind the scenes the thought processes and philosophies of hunting um matt's podcast is incredible i love it and i've listened mm-hmm. to every episode yeah um it's and we're big look we're big fans of matt and matt if you're listening to this we're big fans of you 
We're big fans of your opinion. Uh, we like people with strong opinions, uh, specifically. And, um, yeah, completely get him coming out the gate super strong. It's, a, it's certainly the land trust debate is right up his very moral, foundational mantra. And uh, I get it. So Yeah, I do too. And, and still I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the person, if not, 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 not everything that he's ever said, but uh, he's a good person that's fighting hard to uh, do what he thinks is right. And uh, his, Hunt, Hunt Quietly is his podcast. Go check it out and uh, send him. Yeah, we may be on the next one. I, I'm, I... <laughs> leave, him, leave, him, leave him a comment about how Blood Origins told you to come check him out. Yeah, go check him out. Exactly, exactly. Anything else? Any other controversies? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. My wife asked me to make her a live edge desk. Oh, I've seen that. And then we, you milled it from the piece of wood on the property, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a tree that I cut down uh, about a year and a half ago. It, the tree was dead already. I, I don't cut live trees down, but uh, so, and I don't know what I'm doing at all. But uh, it looks flat. Eh, it looks straight. I mean, you know. It's kind of flat. I think it's... Uh, it's got a little bit of a wonk to it. I think it's flat enough and straight enough. I wouldn't call it flat or straight. I would say it's going to... Uh, her computer won't slide off the desk, I don't believe. Oh, okay. So it's not a dining room table. It's a desk. Uh, the now that she's seen what I did with the desk, the uh, new top for the dining room table is next. So... Have you got it like you... you can you hire someone to give you a straight plane? Well, as of right now, okay, I'm reserving the right to change my mind. Maybe on next week's roundup, I will have changed my mind. As of right now, I don't want to hire someone. I want to do it myself. Um, so, but again, reserving the right to come back and say, that was stupid. I'm now hiring someone. <laughs> I got a lot of new tools. Like I spent more money on the tools to get this done than a custom made desk by a professional would have cost. Okay. 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 But it's that much more gratifying, Cody. It is actually really fun. Like I, I, I like woodworking and have never, like I'm terrible at it. Like I'm a, I'm a 0.5 out of 10. Um, I'm, <laughs> I make really sturdy things that look like a drunk person made them. But I do like I do like doing it. And milling the tree was fun. I got like an oh, it's, I think they call them Alaska mills, where you just strap a bracket onto your chainsaw and mill the wood that way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So you know that was. But that but you can't keep that straight on ninety though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With it, it's a so it's a guide that you 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 screw a rail into the top of the log. Oh, okay. You level that rail with the screws and a level and up and down and get it just right. And then you have your chainsaw is bracketed into this whole contraption and it slides oh, on that rail. Oh, man. You can still screw it up. I got a couple of boards that are not <laughs> right. But once I figured it out, um, I think I got a couple boards that are pretty good. It's going to have a little warp. It's going to have a little character to it. 
Um, but uh, you didn't lose any um, appendages or anything like that. No, knock on wood. I'm kind of a safety moron. Like uh, things take me a lot long. Things take me longer than they should because I'm constantly staring at the project to see if I'm going to kill myself while I do it. Mm. And I was in mm. the middle of nowhere because well, uh, I couldn't move this tree. Like I was a mile from the house, not not crow flies, but to drive the side by side, I was way back up in there, and uh, I couldn't move the tree. I had to mill it up in the in the forest. Oh, jeez. Crazy. Well, um, you perp- I, I purposely missed you on the Herbivorize podcast this morning. Yeah. What? The- um, what? It was interesting. Yeah. Why? And it needed. It needed a little coat. Why did I? It little- no. Why would anyone want to do that? Herbivorized predators? Is that an actual word? To, like, it, it, in, in the science... Yes, they're making it. They want to herbivorize predators. It's, it's just an adjective of changing their trophic level to being something else. Prior to these people, did anyone ever say herbivorize? I don't think so. They call it HP for short. So they want to make lions eat grass. Am, am I? Am I? They want to figure out a way to end involuntary suffering of prey. So they are suffering ab- abolitionists. Holy shit! Is that a phrase they made up as well? I don't know. You know, abolitionism. That. I. Yes, oh, definitely, multiple times. It was eye-opening. Both of them, uh, young, young researchers, um, one from Nottinghamshire, one from Belgium, very intelligent individuals. Um, and, uh, yeah, they just are way, way, way out of the box in terms of their thinking. Like this guy said, you know, for cheetahs, they don't really want to get rid of the cheetah. They just want to reduce the suffering that is involuntary when a cheetah chases a prey. So they're going to come up with a robot, like an AI robot, and put fake meat over it and let the cheetah go chase that instead of the real prey. Listen, I don't want to sound like (laughs) some... That's why I could not have you on the podcast, Cody. Incompassionate, uh, uncompassionate, unintelligent, just like stereotypical redneck. I really don't. I, if, if someone came up to me and said they want to reduce suffering in the world, as an umbrella statement, I'm behind that. But you're, you were, you were uh, for the sake of your sanity and Blood Origins as an organization, you were absolutely right to not have me on that podcast because there's, there's no sense to it. There's no... There's no sense. Their timeline, Cody, were hundreds of thousands of years. Their timeline to accomplish this? For it, for it to evolve to the state of being a predator-free environment. 
that there's only a, really a two-level trophic cascade in, in the world. And because of our intelligence as humans, it is our duty to investigate and to utilize technology to end involuntary suffering of all animals all across the food chain, from cheetahs to birds of prey to ticks and fleas to even on a Twitter thread them talking about microchipping krill so that when they detect pain and injury through the microchipping process, they can administer first aid to the krill. To the what? To the krill. K-R-I-L-L. The shrimp? The, the zooplankton shrimp that live in the oceans that whales feed on. Yeah. Um. It was a mind-blowing conversation. It was mind-blowing in that... And the thing is, I wanted to have that dialogue. I wanted to give them the opportunity to speak. Flat Earther and conversations some... are mind blowing too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I love passionate people, man. Like I really do. Like I love people that. But when your passion makes no sense, right? And is and is honestly, if you're successful, in my opinion, it's highly detrimental to the ecosystem yep. of the world. Yeah, but in their mind, mean. I don't want to be mean. It's not. It's not detrimental because of Bullshit. the animal welfare, animal ethics, animal rights perspective that they view the world. The planet would suffer horrendously if they accomplished this goal. According to them, it would be a long migratory process, evolutionary process that will take hundreds of thousands of years. Right. But it is our duty to start the process and to think about it and to research it, which is at the crux of the matter, is that they're researchers that are interested in the subject. They want money to research this idea. Anyway, have a listen. I don't know when it'll be out. It sounds, um, it sounds a lot to me like I don't want a real job. So I made something up and hope people donate money to it because of the, you know, it, it's because of, because of the heartstrings, you know, that the, that the little Impala will no longer have involuntary suffering. Yeah. And I, and one of the things that I mentioned to them was this, is I, I think involuntary suffering in, as a result of a predator-prey interaction is a couple of percent of if you, if you had to categorize the entirety of involuntary suffering. So why focus on that little element versus starvation and diseases and stuff like that that cause involuntary suffering across the board? There's, there's, there is no distinguishing, distinguished, there's no distinction between that involuntary suffering and that caused by a predator, specifically, in my brain. Um, and so their counter to that was, well, that's what you... Sh you're right, but it, that doesn't mean we should ignore it. And that's what they want to research. 
their counter to that was no one will give us money for the other things, but people might give us money to save the little Impala from the nasty lion. Maybe. That's their counter. Maybe, yeah. And, yeah, maybe. And I don't, I don't uh, first of all, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool libertarian, okay? I don't care what you want to do. But at the same time, I reserve the right to have an opinion about a gigantic waste of time and treasure. And that's what this is. It's, it's people that either want attention or don't want a real job and they found something. Somebody will give them money too. Like somebody will give them a gang of money. And they'll be able to do this for a really long time instead of that money and their efforts and their brain capacity going to actual good. That's, that's how I feel about it. I will listen. And if I, again, if I'm wrong after I listen to the podcast, I'll admit it. Well, uh, you are definitely going to be yelling at the at the speaker when you play it in your vehicle and saying, Robbie, how'd you let them get away with that? Robbie, how'd you let them get away with that? Robbie, how'd you let them get away with that? (laughs) But I couldn't because it would have just denigrated very quickly. And I did not want that. Uh, But we did pose some, some very hard questions to them. And they had some very intellectual, very smart the both individuals were very, very smart individuals that we podcasted with. Oh, and they were real quick. Real quick. Define smart. They were intelligent. They knew their subject area. They knew the arguments. They knew their positions. They knew their counters. Um, and they were very articulate as well. Okay, so... I, I, I think a lot about uh, – I can remember being like 16, and a friend of mine, in, when I was with him in the car, told his girlfriend that he loved him, that he loved her, right? Okay. She was an idiot. Like, like, and it triggered me to like think about what the word love meant. Like I need a definition of that. Because, mm-hmm. because, and it's not a Webster's definition. It's a hundred percent a Cody definition, right? Like I need to know okay. what that means. Cause to me, it seemed like that word was, was more important than other words. It just did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I have this stupid trait of making my own definition, not, not making my, I guess, I guess it is making, is making my own definition of words. Words that I think are important enough for me to spend that time on. Here's my definition of okay. love. Okay? Your ha- if, if, if I love you, I'm saying that your happiness at any given moment is more important than mine. Okay. That's my definition. Okay? I've also okay. done it with the word smart. Okay. Okay? And the definition of smart, if, you're, if I say you're smart... That means that I would pick you to be a partner slash teammate of mine to survive a survival situation. Not, not, not because why the survival situation, not because you can build a fire, not because you can, you can, what's it called? Not because you can flint nap, 
Not because you can build a shelter, <laughs> but because you're smart. When a situation arises, you make logical, efficient choices. That's smart to me. Okay? And I'm not I'm not okay. off, I'm not offering this up for debate. I'm telling you that's what it is to me. <laughs> hey, okay. You can have your own and I won't argue with it in any way. I'm telling well, you technically you would. That's code. No, I won't. Not on this. Not on this. This this isn't this is a self-definition exercise. But if I'm gonna say that person's smart, let's use let let's use Daryl Carver real quick. Okay. Okay. And I'll tell you this, you don't want Daryl Carver. Daryl Carver, if you looked at Daryl Carver's resume, his CV, right? It doesn't look like an intellectual. Mm -hmm. But probably next to my father, I would classify him as the smartest person I know. Because if it does not matter, if we stepped out the door together tomorrow, it doesn't matter what the situation we're presented with. He's a guy I want standing next to me, next to me. And it doesn't mean that he's mm-hmm. quick to fight. It doesn't mean he's great at starting a fire. It doesn't mean any of those things. It means he makes smart, logistical, logical, efficient steps to solving problems that are in front of him. All that being said, I'm now going to guess that I don't want either one of these herborivising, whatever the hell, people on an island with me in the zombie apocalypse. Correct. That that was my diatribe about the word smart, and I'm done now. Sorry. All right. to drag that on. Perfect. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, all right. So that was my day. That's going to be my week. And, um, do you, do we got voicemails, don't we? We skipped last year's, last week's roundup, unfortunately, because, uh, travel and show season and whatnot. So we apologize. But, uh, we asked for voicemails. We have voicemails. We do. We got a, uh, voicemail from Dave Gittleson. Oh, man. Yeah. Let's hear it. This is Dave Gittleson, rancher in Colorado. I just want to thank you folks at at Bud Oregon for helping me and my family. So, and I wanted to call me the voicemail because Robbie called me out. So, I appreciate everything you guys have done for us for getting the word out. And you've helped us more than you know. So the uh, audio is terrible there. Nothing we can do about that. And I called Dave back, and it turns out that he was in the middle of it, gotten somewhere between three and four foot of snow in the last 24 hours, was trying to clear a pathway to feed cattle in a piece of, in a tractor, um, and decided, which, you know, we talked about it and thought, should we make Dave call us back? But that's, that's Dave Gittleson for you. Right. Yep. Well, we appreciate you, Dave. Uh, appreciate you allowing me to call you out, and um, we're certainly on top of the Colorado wolf issue. Um, I'll tell you what, Cody. The days that I post about wolves, it's like hold on to your horses, right? It's 
I don't know how many comments we had on that post that we pushed about wolves. It it got and unfortunately a couple of the threads got nasty, uh, which you would expect. You know, a bunch a couple of people in the shoot shove up shovel and shut up crowd talking to people who are okay with wolves being on the landscape, calling them a bunch of snowflakes and unfortunately denigrating the the interaction a little bit. However, I will give big props to one of those individuals uh, who did um, start off very antagonistic in his comments, uh, did call in an individual um, who was a hunter, and that interaction then, I then jumped in saying, look, we're all about respectful communication, we want dialogue, we want opinions, we want differing opinions, but we don't want it to denigrate into name-calling, essentially. And uh, then he and this individual went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on subspecies. And he, at the end of that conversation, apologized. Yeah, those are my favorite. Uh, those are my favorite moments when it feels like there's some progress one way or the other. I saw it. Get this. I went to a place. I don't think I'm trying to figure out like how sneaky I need to be, but it does. It's not going to matter. I went to a place in Pueblo. Took uh, Avery's boys and a, and a couple, each one of them had a friend. And we went to this place in Pueblo, Colorado. That's like, it's got a bowling alley and an arcade and just kind of, and then it's also got a really good bar, which is genius, right? The kids go over there and we go over there. I saw probably, I'm going to guess a 12-year-old girl with a shoot, shovel, and shut up shirt on. How about that? Jeez. Let me ask you this. In your mind, totally hypothetical and seriously totally hypothetical. I don't think Colorado has reached this state. If you're Dave Gittleson, now if you're you, but you're judging Dave Gittleson, and first of all, I shouldn't have used Dave. This is totally hype. I should have used. Is is there ever a time when a rancher is justified to just just do it? Just shoot shovel and shut up. No. And I don't think most ranchers do it. I no, think I that there's either. an unfair stigma to it. I don't, want to, to, I don't it. want to lead that down this path. It's just a thing that I thought about. And I'm telling you right now, none of the. Uh, None of the United States, I completely am opposed to anyone doing it in the United States right now. Well, I think it, it, it comes down to what we said in that, that I said in that video is that I think, well, one, I think the shoot, shovel, and shut up mentality hurts hunting, number one. Do you agree? 100%, yeah. I, I think, right, number I think two. That, I think that verbalizing it in every discussion about wolves does. Yeah, but, 100%. Totally agree. But I will say this. I think shoot, shovel, and shut up is the last rung on the ladder once a rancher has said, look, we want to do everything we possibly can. We want to work with the state. We want to work with USDA. We want to work with Fish and Wildlife Service. We want to do all the non-lethal things that we need to do 
And if they're not being, as I said in that video, if they're not being heard, and they're not being listened to, and they're not being taken care of, like, what's the, what's the last resort? Yeah, no, that, 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 that's my point exactly. That I, I do, I mean, with, with some of the things that are in the rumor mill in Colorado right now, it sure seems like there's some folks that are pushing the ranchers so hard that there's going to be some good people do some bad things. Or be put in a position, right, to, to be like, what do you want us to do now? Yeah, you know, you know how, how many calves do we lose? Um, and then also folks that come back at you with they get cash for them really need to look into that really need to mm -hmm. understand um and really need to understand that process um I, I don't know i mean if someone just if there was a thing threatening my livelihood and i exhausted every legal and cooperative means to solve that um i don't know Again, I'm telling you, I despise shoot, shovel, and shut up as a response to every wolf conversation that ever happens, and it hurts the entire mm -hmm. process and hurts mm -hmm. our side of it. Um, but, uh, you know, is there a time and a place when, when uh, I would condone that as the only possible response? I, I, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's we've I've said this before. I always refer back to that book by David Guaman, which is whenever I get into the wolf discussion, I always bring it up, which is the book of Monster of God. Have you read that book yet? No, I haven't. I ordered it one time when you told me to read it, but I got a big. Oh, you're not pile a reader, are you? Yeah, you're not a reader. No, I, I I read some. The bookcase back there behind me is uh, sorted by have read and need to read. <laughs> well, Monster of God talks about humans' affinities to alpha predators. And I think that wolves specifically, because of that affinity to them being an alpha predator and us being an alpha predator, there are two camps that are born that are sort of playing themselves out on the, on the world stage when it comes to wolves. Number one is that you see yourself in the eyes of the wolf. You see yourself as a wolf. You see you're, you're very sort of tied in with the animal. It's almost like a religious fervor. That, that's this crowd that, that is almost like the wolf-loving the wolf crowd. And then you have, in the, in the sort of same vein, is that there's inherently a comp competitiveness between alpha predators, between humans and wolves. And you see them as competition. You see them as a sort of a, a way to challenge the, your ability, I say, essentially as the hunter, as the alpha predator, to, to, to best that alpha predator on the landscape. And that's sort of these guys over here that love wolves and love hunting wolves and want wolves to be managed. And so there's, you know, it almost comes from the same place, but there's this sort of, div and that, to me, that's why there's this divisiveness in, specifically in wolves, because of this whole tie into alpha predators, tie into our, who we are, our DNA, the whole kit caboodle. 
Read the book. I think that, I book. think that there's a good base. That, that's a good base to start the argument. But I think that anyone standing from the outside would see that a lot. Uh, there's there's only one side giving and trying to work together in this argument. There's only it, the, the like Dave Gittleson and his family, his dad Don, and that they're trying to work together, and everyone on the other side is just pushing their initiative and not compromising. That's that's my opinion on this deal. After I've dove deep into um, and talked to multiple people, I'm going to do a podcast with Dan Gates um, tomorrow from uh, the from here in Colorado, he's, in my opinion, the best advocate for uh, responsible conservation and hunting in Colorado. Um, mm -hmm. And I'd like to hear from Dan what he thinks about the Colorado Wolf Management Plan. Um, and if you watched our video or not to see if we, if we got some of the points that he wanted to bring across. I'll ask him. I'll ask him tomorrow because we have a podcast scheduled. But uh, he's uh, – it's – there, there's only one side compromising. There's only, and, and amazingly enough, it's the, you know, it's that side that you were talking about that's probably defined as the wolfish competition. The, the wolf needs to be controlled. That that side is compromising and and trying to find, you know, multiple examples of ranchers and hunters. Um, trying to find a compromise with no give from the other side with, with mm -hmm. no, and, and uh, that's the part that to me, you know, it, I truly think it boils down to money that they can raise piles and piles of money to protect the wolf. As long as they can point out that one jackass that's saying, shoot, shovel, shoot, shovel shut, shut up. up. And, and they're yeah. always going to be able to find money as long as we say that, even though the vast majority of folks in the ranching community and the hunting community are trying to find a median where we can live with the wolves, but not destroy a lifestyle or a livelihood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, it's only going to get hotter between now and, um, The end of the year, that's for sure. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Anything else stirring? Anything else brewing? No, not in my neck of the woods, really. I don't have anything else either, man. We've got some good documentaries that we're working on. Had a great conversation about Lionheart. Had some great conversations at Western Hunting Expo about Lionheart. Lionheart is coming, people. We hope to have a rough draft uh sort of finished by early May and a final draft ready to go by 1st of July. We'll be ready to put it into Sundance and um, we want to do a big sort of release, public release, maybe at a Total Archery Challenge event, Cody, maybe like in Montana or something in, in July, um, just to let everyone see what we've been working on and then really do a big push into the non-hunting film space um, pretty much anywhere in the world. So pretty excited about that. And it's, 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 it's not an easy endeavor. People are like, well, where's Lionheart? I was like, well, we've got 18 terabytes of footage, three and a half hours of interviews to pass through. 
So it's, it's a uh, lot. Like as much as I'm looking forward to seeing the inversion, it's possible that I'm almost as much looking forward to seeing the responses. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be at Sundance standing in front of the screen filming the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna certainly be eye opening. That's for sure. And um I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. This we've got so much stuff happening in the background. We've got some really good stuff, some good projects. It's gonna be a good year. Um I'll get I'll put one piece of information out there for folks that are listening still. Um you know, we don't really have a lot of metrics when it comes to Blood Origins. Views is one of the metrics that we look at. And in 2022, we had just over 5 million views. Um, I don't know if you even know this number, Cody. I got Grayson to run the numbers. For how many views of of our content happened in the first 30 days of 2023 in January? Do you have a gone? have a guess how many views of content we've had in January alone? 500,000. 1.7 million. Yeah. No, it's cool. I, I, it, it, it's awesome to, uh, you know, it, to me, to me, one of the greatest, uh, when you're doing something that you think is kind of uh, unique, which I truly feel like Blood Origins was for sure three years ago. You know, I don't think there was anyone kind of, uh, you know, trying to get beneath the surface with hunters yeah. and why and um i think one of your greatest judges of success is other folks i i don't i don't want to say copying because it's not what i mean but other folks emulating what you're doing other folks doing yeah, yeah picking things. up the same flag yeah and it's also cool to be in a situation where we are excited about that right like if if we'd have made a widget and we're selling the widget and then someone else started selling the same widget under a different name that would piss me off but to see other folks getting deeper about hunting talking about the whys talking about the the and 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 caring about the actual uh you know, the psychology of it, the, the logistics of it, the legislation of it, and all of those type of things. It's cool to see how many other people are modifying their message a little bit. I'm not saying we caused that. I'm not acting like we – I think we were a part of it. Um, but that part of it is cool as well to see that success. I think Matt Ranella's stuff, not to – you know, we can we – can, we opened with Matt. Let's close with Matt. Um, I think Matt's – deep discussions into things are really good for the hunting community. Um, And I, I think, uh, you know, the more that that stuff comes out, the more the non hunting public um, is going to see that for a, for a group of us as hunters, the vast majority of us, this is a little bit deeper of a thing than just uh, pulling the trigger and shedding blood. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, if people want to text us or they want to leave us a voicemail, how can they do that? 
You want to close on a really good voicemail? Because we have another one that I forgot about because I've had too much agave. Do it. The Dave from Wisconsin, one of our uh, avid listeners and communicators, sent us this. Hey, Blood Organs. This is Dave from Wisconsin. Uh, I figure I've got some thoughts to give Dave for your voicemail. Uh, first of all, I need to start with your podcast outside of work because I write notes in clay to try to figure out why I'm going to text you guys. But uh, first, I want to say, Robbie, the ice doesn't melt as fast as you think it does. The heat rises, and we have waves around that. Second, uh, Cody, I think that ice fishing is also like hunting in the way that she was comparing fly fishing to like hunting, and that you can see the fish. You said that cameras are useful, and they are, but even more useful is the sonar that we, we can tell that the fish is down there and where it is in relation to our presentation jig bait for deal. And I also wanted to say that about the wanton waste law as possible change that's going to be happening for brown bears. Uh, I kind of like that. I actually was once in an argument online about, uh, you know, hunters not using meat and such, and I had said that there's one waste laws in almost all the states and such, and they actually surprised me by telling me that there was not such laws about brown bears in some areas. So I think that would, you know, help our case a little bit. So thanks you guys, and I'll probably end up saying more text later. So thanks. Thanks, Dave. Talks about ice fishing. I knew Alaska and I were opening up a hole. Great pun right there. When we uh, got into the ice fishing <laughs> thing. Um, and then, uh, you know, talks a little bit about wanting waste on bears. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of uh, wanting waste laws where applicable. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Dave, thank you so much. Uh, I think Dave also sent us an email about company matching. So if you're giving to if you're giving to South uh, to South Africa, <laughs> if you're giving to Blood Origins in a supporter's role, uh, check your your company. They may do matching donations, and um, who knows? You can increase your support for what we do at Blood Origins. Um, so check it out. Cody, thank you. Something crazy like seven billion dollars a year goes ungiven. Because of companies that match, oh man, charities. So we don't need. We just all need seven. one of those million. We don't need. We just all need seven. one of those million. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bud. Enjoy cool. it. Thanks. Ciao. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.